Welcome to Night Light. Step away from the mainstream and gather around as we enlighten the world and our realities and travel this cosmic journey we call life. Join us as we share with you and provide that beacon that can guide us all to a better way. Explore with us as we examine a metaphysical montage of spiritual insights covering everything from the mundane to the magical, UFOs to unicorns, and everything in between. This is a time of awakening, of sharing and evolving, of spreading our wings and soaring on the cosmic breath of creation. Come and join with other light-minded spirits as we weave our lights together to seek understanding, enlightenment, and with a little luck, some wisdom. This is Nightlight, a reminder that you are never alone. Nightlight Part 2 Halloween shows. I want to thank uh, all the listeners for being so supportive for our haunted programming. Um, my newly found cousin is our guest tonight, along with her husband. Hey, cuz, how are you? I'm wonderful. Good. Okay. Although we, uh, although we take... Uh, pride in our Appalachian heritage. It's not like I'm the kid from Deliverance, but I do play the banjo. We've had a brother and sister uh, sis- and sisters as guests, but uh, not a husband and wife paranormal research team. Uh, tonight was kind of like a two-for-one deal. Uh, send one message and get two guests. I don't work out really well. Uh, anyhow, uh Denise and Ron Pridemore are returning if she was the mysterious person on Skype a couple weeks ago or making their debut if they weren't the uh, ghostly Skypers. Uh, They have been tour guides at the infamous Sally House in Atchison, Kansas. They will be volunteers at the McPike Mansion Halloween Campout on October 24th and 25th, and Denise hosts the Paranormal Pride show on WBHM-DB.com on Monday nights from 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time. So, hi, Denise and Ron. How, how are you two tonight? I'm good. Good. How are you good. doing? Oh, I'm I'm fine. I, I am glad you two are here. Uh, I've worked with uh, Denise on one show, but you know it's nice to um, what do you call it? Like exchange, uh, being on each other's shows. So, um, 
Let me start off with your trip, recent trip. Uh, I was intrigued by some of Denise's adventures that uh, she she spoke about. So uh, you got in the family truckster and went to the desert southwest. Um, Oh, yeah. Since you know there isn't enough time to channel Johnson and Boswell for their uh, travelogue for their trip through the Scottish Hebrides Islands, um, let's hear about your road trip to the west. Well, it started off, you know, a little toasty and stuff, but. Uh, we were in Dodge. We went to Dodge City, Kansas, to start with from where we live. And while there, we just took a you know walk around town because they've got a nice little walking tour there. Um, and it and it covers a lot of the Gunsmoke people. Okay, Gunsmoke was mm-hmm. not filmed there or anything, but the Gunsmoke people had a really close relationship with this town. And so a lot of the things in town have to do with with that as well as um, the Old West. And one of the places that we went while we were there was called Boot Hill Distillery. And it's a known haunt. It used to be the sheriff's office at one time. Okay. And we weren't allowed, because they just opened up from COVID, they weren't going to let us walk around. But we did talk to the bartender, and he said, yeah, we do have some some hauntings here. And I said, so you have spirits that are outside the bottle. And he, and he laughed, of course. And so... <laughs> Um, so we did that and, uh, Ron really enjoyed what their red eye and their bourbon. Yep. So we bought a bottle of the bourbon, not there, we bought that at home, but, um, one of the few distilleries that had mini bottles on hand, a lot of them don't. And so, you know, we had a nice time and, uh, it was a little bit windy and, and all that, but the next day we got up, we went to leave and. I stuck my head in the trunk and Ron accidentally closed the, the trunk on my face and uh which which made for a fun two hours Jeez. for him. At least I didn't talk a whole lot. <laughs> I had ice on my face for two hours. But luckily enough I did not wake up the next day with two black eyes. But that day we, we finished on from Dodge City. We went to um Las Vegas, New Mexico, the original Las Vegas. And uh, in the town, everything we passed, you know, when we got there, we found out that a lot of the people, you know, Doc Holliday and um, White Earp, basically go between Dodge City and Las Vegas, Nevada, or not Las Vegas, New Mexico, quite a bit. And so a lot of the people basically kept going west. And one of the things about Las Vegas, New Mexico that was great is that they had their history going back to the 1600s, which for, you know, some places in the United States, that's unusual. And uh-huh. we stayed in the historic and haunted Plaza Hotel there. It's on, on the plaza. And uh, we had a, we were talking to the night clerk and uh, I had Somebody walked up to me and pinched me on the shoulder and then walked into the bar. 
and Ron's talking to the night manager. That's empty. And yeah, that the bar's empty and locked up. Yeah. Um, but Ron's talking to the night manager, and I I was just walking around taking pictures. And it's a beautiful hotel. If you ever get a chance to go, go. Um, used for a lot of movie. A lot of movie stars stay there when they film out in the desert. So. Um, uh, what's the name of it again? The Plaza Hotel. Okay. And uh, it's every room is named after a star. Mm-hmm. Okay. So they all have star names. And so it, it's really beautiful. I mean, huge bathroom. I mean, you wouldn't think that in an old hotel. Nice nice view from the room facing the plaza. And uh, it, like I said, I'm taking pictures, and this guy pinches me. And I told Ron, I said, somebody just pinched me and walked into the the bar i mean it was that fast and the guy goes do you know who it was and i said i don't know but i walked down and looked in the bar and there was a picture and i said it was the guy on the wall there and he goes and he told me who it was it was the guy who built the hotel yeah and uh i didn't know anything about it other than i knew it was haunted and that was it so we did have a paranormal well i had a paranormal experience there we will probably go back sometime when it's warm to go up there because they're already starting to get some snow up there. It's like uh, 6,500 feet above sea level. So huh. it's, it's higher than Denver. And uh, then we the next day we drove down to the Castaneda Hotel, which is right there in Las Vegas, New Mexico as well. And that was actually on Ghost Adventures before they reopened it. And the guy who owns the plaza owns the La Castaneda, but also owns a hotel in Winslow, Arizona, that's also haunted, and another one in Albuquerque. I don't know if it's haunted. Maybe because it's on old Route 66, it was a refurbed hotel from there. And a lot of the hotels that this guy buys used to be old Harvey houses. The La Castaneda is one, the one in Winslow is as well. And uh, we have a Harvey house here in, in well, up in Leavenworth um, that's been open to the public, and they used to allow paranormal investigations as well. So apparently the Harvey houses have a history of being haunted, and they're usually right by railways. You know, so like the La Castaneda, if we'd have stayed there, we may have been woken up by an Amtrak train during the night, which is why I didn't pick that one. <laughs> Don't need, don't need to be woke up when we're traveling. And so from there, we went to Gallup, New Mexico, the same day we went to La Castaneda. And when we were in Gallup, we stayed at the El Rancho Hotel, which was built in 1939. All the rooms there happened to be named for stars as well, including Ronald Reagan. Um, and it's, it was used as well for Western hotels. And I found out the reason why there's a lot of people filming in New Mexico is because they get they get really great rates for for filming in New Mexico, some kind of tax rebate. Because um, one okay. of my previous guests, she used to work for the state of New Mexico, and she told me that. But we stayed um, stayed there at El Rancho, and another place, beautiful many people to know if we if there was a paranormal experience but while we were there we were in the the gift shop beautiful gift shop lots of um 
native jewelry, you know, from the different tribes and the, and the locals there. And uh-huh. while we were in there, like it was probably the third time we had been in there, I was eyeing some earrings that I never bought. But <laughs> but while we were in there, all the lights in the whole place went out. Whole hotel, the bar, the restaurant, everything, all the lights went out. And Ron had seen somebody outside, so somebody did, did something wrong. And so they get the lights back on, and we decide to go down to the bar to see, well, first of all, to see it and to get a drink. And and the funniest thing happened was Ron asked the bartender if the power outage affected them as well. And she goes, yeah, it did. I'm just glad it didn't happen last weekend when the Ghost Adventures crew was here. And uh, and I had to laugh. I go, out of all people to tell that to is us who have been on Ghost Adventures. And so we told that to our bartender, and she, she had to look up the the episode and she started watching it while pretty much while she was working and waiting on us and stuff. And so it, that was kind of, yeah. kind of weird for her to bring <laughs> that up. So next day we leave, we go to Williams, Arizona, too many people could not stay, couldn't find a hotel anywhere between Flagstaff and Vegas. So eventually I found one in Kingman. It was not worth the price. I'm going to tell you that now. And, and it had, it was scary, but not haunted. <laughs> um, so we didn't have any paranormal experiences throughout the rest of the trip. You know, we went to Vegas. We saw our granddaughter. We saw our daughters and our son-in-law. And we turned around and we left, you know, the, you know, after we'd been there for five days. And usually we'll check out someplace that's haunted when we're there. But Vegas was still, a lot of it was still shut down. Um, even though I think out of one out of every five casinos might have been open. You know, we went to Planet Hollywood. They have a shopping mall. The shopping mall was open, but the hotel was not taking guests. Um, so it was a lot different and scarier. Um, who, who'd have thought that less people on the street would make it more scary than it was before? But um, you weren't you weren't in a group of people to where you went unnoticed. So, but we, when we left Vegas, we went back to the El Rancho Hotel for a second time because we did it. We really enjoyed it. It was only it was like sixty some odd dollars a night, but it was still it was clean. The beds were comfortable, and I happened to tear off my toenail before we left that morning <laughs> from Ew. the El Rancho. Yeah, I, I had a I had a whole trip of getting uh, beating myself up, and uh, so we stayed there again. Still didn't have a paranormal experience, but they say that most of the paranormal experience is in the bridal suite, and uh, and it gets booked quite frequently because it's one of the bigger rooms in in the hotel. Um, because these, when I said the, the Plaza Hotel had a had a big bathroom, the bathrooms in the in the in the El Rancho are about mm, maybe one tenth the size. <laughs> You could lay your head down on the sink while you were going to the bathroom. That's how much space there was between your head and it was. Yeah, their rooms were little. But, you know, you don't plan on staying in your room that much when you're there. And since it was only one night, what did it matter? So, um, but that was it on the paranormal type stuff that we did. Um, We had some places we'd like to stay and, and, uh, 
and see along that route. There's so many uh, going across Interstate 40, um, go, coming from Kansas, going west. There's hundreds to pick from. In fact, we've been invited to go to the St. James Hotel in New Mexico, and it would have been maybe 30 minutes out of our way. Mm-hmm. So we're going to do that uh, sometime when we go when it's warm. So um, when when you two were planning, you know, uh, you know your 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 vacations, are you? Uh, intentionally looking for hotels that are uh, reportedly uh, haunted or you, you know, just when you get there, you're sensing something? Uh, well, How is that working out? It depends on how much time we have to get someplace. Normally, when we go to Vegas, we have two days to get there, three days to stay, and two days to get back. And this time, we took two weeks vacation. So, I actually planned on the we planned on staying in Dodge City. We just stayed at a Quality Inn. I mean, I could not find a haunted hotel that so that was in a decent part of town that was safe. So, or buy food. We, I, once we get someplace, we really don't want to drive to get food. We want to walk if possible. Um, so I couldn't find anything there, even though there are some bed and breakfasts that are haunted in Dodge City. Um, we found some really neat places along the way that one of them did call my name and say, hey, you want to stay here? But it was so far out and away from everything that you would have had to have planned it. I think it's that one by um, Hutch, Hutchison Ron. Yeah, Hutchison. And so, um, but no, we planned on staying at the Plaza Hotel if they had a room. But the bad part is, is this trip, most of the places were only taking 50% of of their rooms. Right. Mm -hmm. If if that, some of them were only, like in Vegas, some of them were only taking uh, 30% of their rooms, if that too. So, that made it kind of difficult. We were hoping to stay at a haunted hotel in Williams, but it wouldn't have done any good. It looked like uh, Vegas before the coronavirus. It was that busy in Williams, Arizona. We've never seen it like that before, but we've, of course, we've never traveled there on Labor Day. And that was the big thing. It was Labor Day weekend. But um, if I can find us a hotel that's reportedly haunted, and it's not ridiculously priced. We'll we'll stay there. Yeah, that's and, any trip. Yeah, that's any trip. It doesn't matter. I mean, if it's a well, we have a residence in that's in Kansas up in Overland Park. We stayed there a bunch of times, but only had a paranormal experience in one room. And it was me that had it. So I told Ron, I said, a little girl was next to our bed. But I don't know who she was. She had on a, a dress with a pinafore, and I and I told him this the next you know that morning, but I can't remember which room we stayed in, or anything else. But we know that you know we had had a paranormal experience there. But there's no proof of any reason why there should be any paranormal stuff going on there, unless unless it's the property, because well. Over, 
our area is known for the Santa Santa Fe, California, and Oregon trails. They crisscross uh-huh. all through our area. So we have a thing called Santa Caligon Days. It's a mixture of all three of those. They all started all the trails started in Independence, Kansas or Independence, Missouri, and they crisscross all over the place throughout our entire region. Apparently they didn't know their they're north from their south or anything like that at the time. <laughs> because I don't think that they should crisscross that much. <laughs> so, and really, we did, we basically took the Santa Fe Trail to get to um, Las Vegas, Nevada, uh, Las Vegas, New Mexico. So, yeah, but yeah, we like I said, we always find something haunted somewhere. If we're, if that's why we're going on a if we're going on a trip just to keep ourselves busy. We will do something haunted if possible. Okay. Denise, you were just uh, talking about the Santa Fe Trail and all the other uh, roads, Kansas, that intersect. And uh, just a little bit ago, Ron mentioned uh, uh, Route 66. Um. About a month ago, when uh, Bill and the Gold Hunters uh, uh, were our guests, and they, they were talking about some of the uh, uh, roads that the conquistadors took from Arizona to. Uh, you know, the California coast in uh, 1600s to the 1700s. And uh, Denise, you, you know, you had mentioned that uh, early on in the show as well. It, it, it's really interesting to uh, look at the history of these, uh, some of the first highways across America, you know, the conquistadors or, uh, you know, trekking across the uh, Four Corners area and why there's uh, the Apache and Navajo. And when you're at these locations, are, are you sensing uh, different uh cultures you know, uh you know people from you know a very long time ago uh you know just or it are you noticing it? Uh, yeah, yeah yeah that's uh the, the, i think there was uh, it just seems like there was a lot more activity that we're just realizing now and i'm just wondering are some of these haunted hotels, uh, it, these Route 66, it, it's like the fam- most famous road in America. What What is attracting people to these roads? And is there is that some kind of explanation for the hauntings? You people know, dying at I the hotels know. or something? At the hotels, quite possibly. Um, and I'll tell you, we live on a road, in, well, in an area where they have 
the Potawatomi Trail of Death. Okay. Sounds mm-hmm. wonderful, doesn't it? Everybody wants to go on that. We also have the military road um, between Fort Leavenworth and Fort Scott and even further. Um, we were just on that this weekend um, doing some stuff. So all of these roads have histories going back to before before anybody was documenting them. You know, so when you said the conquistadors in the 1600s, more than likely they were going up to Las Vegas, New Mexico. Because, like I said, their history goes back to the early 1600s. In fact, the earliest known record that I found was like, like 1609. Um, here where we live, the town, our town, county seat, they actually have their history going back to the 1400s for the Native Americans because that's where the Native American tribes had their headquarters at one point. Kind of like, you know, we had um, Jean, Jean Baptiste. He was, a, mm-hmm. he was a Native American, and he, he basically was like the president of these five tribes that were moved here. But because they moved here, they had all this history from the other Native Americans, the Shawnee and, and the Miami, because apparently there were Miami Indians here in Miami County at the same time there were in Miami, Ohio. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, so we've got all this history and we see it all. And it makes you wonder, is it related to back then? the the hauntings or is it are they related to now does is it because of these areas that you know there's more hauntings because of it you know that we're drawn to stay when we pass as opposed to passing on um and you asked about if i sense it on the potawatomi trail of death i believe it was a residual haunting but i saw a mother with a travoy, you know, the little thing that she pulled her, pulled all her stuff on, didn't have wheels, but it's kind of like a wagon. And that she had her her child on there as well as her belongings walking across this area. And I'd never seen it before, but they were building it. They had dug up and made a pond there. And when I came home, I told Ron, hey, I saw this Native American woman with this thing on her back. I had to look it up to find out what it was called. Um, cause I didn't know what it was called. And, um, and he goes, where was this? And I said on 68, which is part of the trail of death. And I was like, that just seemed really odd. Now, that being said, we've lived, you know, we, we used to live not far from where the, um, Oregon trail used to go through our old neighborhood. And I never saw anything there. I never felt anything there. But yet in my old house, we felt all kinds of stuff, but we know when it was from. It was from the, uh, the early eight, probably early 80s, maybe the late 70s that that activity was from. But I know that there are times where um, up at this graveyard that we go to, one of our friends noticed okay one of our friends noticed a cavalry unit of course we know we haven't had a cavalry unit for years this is this is a graveyard 
out in the middle of nowhere. It, it's yep. extremely hard to find, and it, nobody is it comes out war? there. Is it Civil War era? No, um, it's it's pre Civil War, which is kind yeah. of interesting. There are some Civil War soldiers buried there, but there were Native Americans I was seeing in the trees, yeah, in up in the trees, but in in the tree line, and there's a grave there for the unknown Indian. So they, there's a Native American that died there that they put a headstone on his grave. Um, some of these people were part of the Mormon community that was that the state of Missouri tried to extinguish as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, it was and, called and they would the, the Massacre of Hans Mill. Okay, and, and the, the, then they're moving on to Utah, you know, they keep moving west uh, mm-hmm. a- after the uh, Mormon massacre that you were just re- referencing, correct? Yeah, some of them went went um, to Salt Lake City. Some of them, well, right, okay. I, when I did some research, found out that some of them went to St. Joseph, Missouri. Okay. After that, some of them went to Atchison, Kansas, which you did a really good job with Atchison, better than a lot of people. Um, some of them went to Atchison, Kansas, and then some of them went even further on. And uh, so getting to the Mormons, now another place that we've been was Cove Fort, which is the very end of Interstate 70. And it was built by Mormons as a way station for people that were going to Salt Lake City or Beaver, Utah. And it was built, I mean, it was only used for like 11 years, but it's still in, it looks brand new, if you ask me. Um, wow. Yeah, it's in real good shape. The thing is, is anybody who died there died from natural causes. There, The people got along well with the Indians. They didn't have any issues. It was just a really neat place to stop and see frozen history. Basically, this place was frozen in time. So it was really kind of a neat place to see. You know, you would hope that it would be haunted, but I did not get the sense that it was haunted at all. So, Denise, you were just talking about the Potawatomi uh, tribe in Kansas. Right. And when... uh, Lon Krieger was oh, one of our first guests on October or something, November of uh, 2018. So, um, uh, I th- I think he was talking about uh, that tribe also uh, had some advanced farming. Uh, or was using advanced farming techniques in Michigan. Um, I was one of those raised uh, gardening beds. Uh, there were a variety of uh, geometric patterns. Uh, it was actually you know, some pretty sophisticated um, agricultural practices going on. It, it, is I was just wondering, are are you does that uh, Potawatomi uh, 
uh, Trail of Death, like, go out uh, to to the northeast uh, towards Michigan? It actually starts in Indiana. Okay. And it ended in Parker, Kansas. And okay. they call it the Trail of Death because most of the people died on the way there. If they didn't die on the road, most of them died when they got there. And so until they got people moved into regular reservations, it was it was horrible. I mean, most, they moved these people in the winter, which is – everybody who lives in Kansas knows you don't do anything after November as far as that goes. It's, there's no – our weather it can change on a dime, just like everybody else's. But um, we tend to get snow, you know, and – sometimes in November and have it be 90 degrees on or 70 degrees on Christmas, but <laughs> it's, it's weird, Okay. but it is one of those things that you wonder about. And then you think about the other thing is we're really not that far from the trail of tears either. You know, it's just down there in Arkansas going over to Oklahoma. Um, and actually my great, great, great grandmother was on the trail of tears and I and we we've always believed that it's quite possible that I notice Native American spirits sometimes before I notice other ones because of me being Cherokee and Blackfoot, two different grandmothers. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Bad, but um, but yeah, we think we believe that there's some kind of connection there with my my lineage. Oh. Uh, um... Uh, that's very interesting. I it, it's I can see where there would be almost like a, it's almost like the information that's being uh, discovered now about. Uh, Trauma is passed on to other generations through the DNA. I read something about that. I'm just, it's, it's possible. I mean, I would consider that to be probably a generational curse. Oh, it, it, it's it, it's interesting. It, 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 I. I I just find these, um, you know, when guests talk about some of these, uh, you know, paths at at one point to, you know, what Ron was talking about, you know, uh, modern highways like Route 66, there's... I just find it uh, a, a captivating subject of you know, people migrating, moving around. Uh, a lot of the highways are just built on top of uh, native footpaths. You know, like well, most... Not only native footpaths. Oh yeah, they're... you know they did. The the cemetery oh, yeah. we were talking about where where we go up there, our friends actually take care of it. Like I said, mm-hmm. it's out in the middle of nowhere, and there are a lot of unmarked graves. Put a gravel road right through this this graveyard. 
they just plowed through it because it was shorter. It was a shortcut. Uh-huh. They just plowed over the graves, any tombstones, you name it. Now, our friends up there, we actually did a camp out about two weeks ago. I know. You probably think, well, that's a little weird to camp out in the graveyard. And for all we know, we may have been, we may have pitched our tent right on top of someone. But they took us back there. There's two out in the woods, and they they just found it not too long ago. There's two great big mounds, and they're in the woods. They look like burial mounds. I wouldn't be surprised if, if that's what they were. They you know. took me back there, and they asked, Denise, do you feel anything? I said, I feel really sad right now. And, of course, it was dark. We couldn't see anything without a flashlight. And then they that's when they pointed out the mound. And I said, well, I can see that, why why I feel really sad now. And then they took me down a little bit further, and and they waited for me to say something. I said, I said, I feel like there's a whole family right here. And they're they're just lost. And so that's when I, I decided to ask, why did you guys decide to bring us back here in the dark? Why didn't you do it during the day when we had a chance? <laughs> you know, because it was dangerous walking back in there with all the tree roots and and uh, walnuts and hedge balls and all the other stuff that was on the ground. But it was really very interesting um, to see quite possibly could be Native American burial mounds in the same area where this graveyard is. Because, like I said, uh, it w- Missouri was not considered a state until 1858. No, it wasn't 1858. It was founded in 1821, I believe, because I think that we have our 200-year anniversary coming up here. Um, from Missouri, but this graveyard was founded long before there were a lot of people living in western Missouri. So it just seems very odd um, that maybe that they that everybody thought that this was a good place to bury people, including you know Native Americans prior to, and then white people uh-huh. after, or settlers oh, after. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, you see that uh, different native cultures just kept uh, having intrusive burials in a mound that had been there for you know a thousand years earlier. It's, it just keep it, it, it's just a sacred site, and they were just uh, kept putting. You know, uh, important people in you know the mounds. You know, some were cremated. You know the you know, or full burials, and then you get the settlers arriving. I, I maybe they sense the uh, sacred spot. You know, a, a lot of times, you know, I've seen several in uh, Ohio where. Um, they're also located uh, on scenic uh, uh, properties. Isn't Ohio uh, the it, one it, that has the the large serpent? Yes, there's 
yeah, the Serpent Mounds in Ohio. But it, it's not a burial. Uh, there, uh, there are a couple. Uh, the effigy is not a burial. Uh, doesn't contain any burials, but there are a few. Uh, there are a couple uh, mounds uh, right by the parking lot, and you know there are a few other uh, mounds there. But you know, m- many cultures spanning you know a thousand years or so you know, just keep interring people at these. Uh, Necropolises. Yeah. Well, that's like the Cahokia Mounds. Yeah, I was going to say, Cahokia Mounds, I've been out there. There's a bunch. And that's just across the river from St. Louis. Mm-hmm. Did, uh, Ron, what do you like about Cahokia? I've never been there. I've read a little bit about it. You know, we went there when I was in in elementary school on on a field trip mm-hmm. a couple of times. And you know, at that time, I didn't. I I don't know. I didn't really know what it was about. You know. And, and we were, now that we do, we yeah, we were probably too that. young to uh, to really you know realize what we were actually looking at. But uh, yeah, it, uh, it's it's really interesting. I mean, you you can still go in there. I mean, if if anyone wants to uh, take a trip. Well, we're going to be driving right by there. Yeah, they have tours week. and everything. You can you can go in there. Well, okay. The next it, week after we leave McPike Mansion, we're going to be <clears> driving right through where they are, where the, the mounds are, on our way to wherever it is we end up. Yeah, we're talking about you know Route 66 and all the deaths, you know all you know all the hotels along the way, you know because I don't know how many miles is it. it it's, it's it's quite from a few. Chicago to California. Yeah, it's it, it's a ways, and uh, you know there are no doubt you know a lot of deaths in hotels along the way, but there were there were also a lot of deaths on the highway mm-hmm. because you got to remember back then, you know a lot of these cars really, I mean the speed limit was seventy five eighty, you know a lot of it's two lane, and uh, you know. Back then, a lot of the, you know the cars didn't have seat belts either. Didn't have safety equipment at all. No, you know, no airbags. You know, so a lot of people were there were a lot of head-on collisions. And hell, Denise, you can tell them about. You know, I'm just wondering if if a lot of people don't see what what I call phantom cars. But Denise has a, she can tell you a little story, and this is just up the road from us. About what she saw okay. one day, and our, in fact, our daughter was in the car. She saw the same thing. Okay, uh, uh, let's hear it, Denise. Yeah, okay, go ahead well, and tell them, tell them the story because you were there, I wasn't. <laughs> it, I don't even remember exactly when it was, but our two youngest kids were still in school, and uh, they're six years between them, so there's a lot of age difference there. For for uh, siblings, and we had gone to the dentist, and we were coming back down uh, 69 Highway, which used to be m- mostly a two lane road, and at one yeah, time it was it two was lane then, just gravel. But we're coming home. There's a lot of traffic. It's you know 
it's getting close to everybody getting off work. It wasn't it wasn't yet four o'clock, but it was busy. Well, it, it it was a two lane highway that got expanded to four lanes, and it's it's got a medium. It's split, but the the southbound lanes is is two lanes heading south. But that's the original. That was the original 69 highway that was two lanes. So where she was at, it was two lanes. And that then. is also that is also the the military road that we were talking about earlier. But that I don't think that has anything to do with, with the no. story. But as we're coming home, there's this car that comes up, and I notice it's a red car. I notice it looks like a Mustang. Um look like an older Mustang and and it's weaving in and out of traffic, driving very erratically and very fast. And all of a sudden I see it go off the road on on a road that doesn't have an exit and I don't know what's down there. So it's vivid enough that Lauren goes, What the hell? And and I'm going, Oh crap. They just went off the road. So I pull off the road and I noticed nobody else was stopping, okay? I pull off the road. I get out of the car. I'm already on the phone with 911, thinking that they had had a horrible accident, okay? I get out of the car, and I'm looking through the grass. I do not see any tire tracks. And at the bottom, I notice there's fence, and there's the overpass. Yep. I'm getting ready to drive across. But it looked like they made their very own exit onto 191st Street. Okay, so I'm still talking to the police, and I'm going, I don't know where they went. I don't, don't know what happened. And I just kept talking to him, and I said, I'm going to go down here to the next exit, get off, and see if anybody's dragging fence or something behind them, you know, because they have mm-hmm. to come out somewhere. Because they were going south, so I figured the next place they would be is 199th Street. So I get down there, and I'm still on the phone with the police, and I've given them descriptions, and I keep telling them, I don't know where they went. I'm very concerned. And they're going, well, ma'am, we're sorry to say, but other people have called something like this in before. And I said, something like what? And she goes, some people say they see a car driving erratically, and they go off the road in that spot. And I'm like, hmm. So the next day, I worked for Sprint at the time. One of our... Uh, purchasing agents, she lives lived there, and so I asked her, I said, have you ever heard of this? She goes, oh, yeah, I've seen it. I go, really, tell me what you saw, because I didn't give her any details. I just told her that I saw a, a ghost car on 69, is all I said, and she gave me her details, and they pretty much matched up to mine, and I was like, well, that's weird, because you know, I didn't want to lead her into telling me the same story that that I had. I wanted to make sure that I got her story. And apparently she said that she'd always heard that the that a car accident happened in that spot. Somebody was driving erratically and they died in their car in about that area, that 191st Street. I was like, okay, well, at least that explains that. But the question is, is if I saw it, why? Why? I mean, both me and my daughter saw it. It wasn't like I I was by myself. The other daughter didn't uh-huh. see it. She was in the back seat. She'd been. She had dental work done. She was kind of laying down. 
But the other one, she's older, so she's in the front seat, and she saw it with me, and she's, you know, commenting the whole time, like, I can't believe that happened, you know. And, you know, so when I got home, you know, we tell Ron what happened, and I'm like, I don't understand, (laughs) you know, how does that happen? But I never, I don't even remember if I saw anybody in the car, you know, a person, a shape, a shadow or anything. I don't remember that. I just remember seeing the car driving erratically and go off the road. So, you know, I have tried researching it to find out when it was, if it was a red Mustang, um, you know, because, I mean, a red Mustang going off the side of the road even if it was an older one, could have been last week, you know, <laughs> because there's a lot right. of older Mustangs that have been redone, but it looked like a new, old Mustang. I told Ron, I said, like, you know, 68, 69. So that, that, that's my weird, I have to go residual car haunt. Okay. Uh, uh, you don't hear car haunting stories too often. It's, you know, uh, you know, there's uh, the book and movie Christine, but uh, you don't hear that too often. And uh, there's the uh, was the, the the lost Dutchman ship. Yep, yeah, heard of that. Another, it, 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 yeah, it's it, 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 interesting. I uh, the uh, red Mustang haunted car uh, is one of those topics. You know, I wasn't planning on getting into, but uh, <laughs> you don't really hear a whole lot about you know, haunted modes of transportation. Maybe get you know some trains. Every once in a while, I, 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 that's well. When we were doing tours in Atchison, they actually had a haunted train story too up there, same as there's one in Danville, Virginia, and both very similar in the way that they crashed and and everything. So yeah, I mean, I, 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 what what was the story? Like did you know, uh it was there like uh, you know they blew up from the coal or something or the bridge collapsed. I think yeah, I think the the, uh, the one was the bridge was out. That was Danville and Atchison. Yeah. It was one train hit another train and blew up. Yeah. Oh. So it it was one of those things that when we did when we were doing the tours, um, the trolley tours there in Atchison. Um, it would be a story that we would tell in between um, in between places in the area. We would drive over the railroad tracks, and then we would tell the story. And in Atchison, it seems like you're always driving over railroad tracks to get from one side of the town to the other. But, um, yeah, it was one of the stories that we used to tell about Brick Craft and his, his train. And then there's newspaper articles um, from back, like, two weeks after he died um, and that accident occurred of people reporting for years, a ghost train on that, that area of track where the accident occurred. Yeah. They would hear the whistle and they would see it. 
or they'd hear the train go by. And yeah. of course the train was demolished. So um is a, a situation like that considered to be uh a a residual haunting like how how do we classify something like that um it's like with some of these different modes of transportation uh, uh is it related to the, you know, the crashes or you know the bridge being out it is i think it could be related to the trauma that the people felt and they're still reliving that, so I believe it's a residual. But yeah, I, yeah, that's that, where that I'm, blood I, is in the ground. Okay, that's my guess. Because um, I haven't, like I said, just because I've seen it doesn't mean I can explain it. And I don't know anything other than if there was an accident. There's blood. Blood may have seeped into the soil along with, like you were saying before, you know, the DNA, the trauma. The, and, and everything else, it's quite possible that, you know, stone tape theory, maybe it goes along with that. You know, it's just there because this happened and it was recorded in time and, and it's going to happen at that time all the time. But we don't know that, you know, that's why it's a theory. Well, I, I, the, the, the I'm, Learning along with, uh, you know, probably some members of the audience. I, you know, ghosts aren't my forte. I, I, I'm just trying to look for some explanations. You know, Ron said, uh, "What the bridge was out, and uh, you, you know, you could see some, uh, a civil war uh, situation. You know, t- take out the." Uh, bridge to stop any you know supplies getting from point A to B and mm-hmm. it, uh, it's, you know, the train never uh, you know, got stopped in time at uh, because of his night or you know so, so, something like that. I, yeah, that makes a little bit more sense. I, but you know so, so, some of these others like the the car, I just kind of just you know just disappeared. Just it, it's there then gone. Other, you, know, you have multiple eyewitnesses over the years reporting the same thing. Enough to where the cops knew about it, which is odd. Yeah, yeah. So uh, uh, it, it, it it really is an odd case study. Just pe- people reporting the same, weaving in and out of traffic and disappearing over the hill. Yeah, it. Like I said, it's still. I, I do have to say that once I hit about 167th Street, I'm watching every time to see if I see a red car coming yeah, it, behind yeah, me. Yeah, she and said she saw it go off the road. There's a little, little overpass with a little gravel road right there, but there's fence down there. So if anything went through there, you you know you would have seen some kind of tire tracks in the grass, and they would have took mm-hmm. out that fence. Now, maybe back when you know 
when this accident happened, there, there probably wasn't a fence there. Probably not, because it was probably just, hey, we're turning just, here. Yeah, just a little gravel road right there. But And quite okay, possibly, we so may never know. Has anything uh, shown up on the like microfish at the library of a car wreck. I don't even know when the thing is, I don't even know when to to look. I I searched um, newspapers.com at one time for um, accidents along 69 highway, but I would, I think I need to get a County map from probably the early seventies to see what that road was called before it was called 69 highway. Was it called military road? You know, I don't know. Well, you know, the uh, accident had to happen after 1967. Yeah. At least, at least 1967, you know, because like I said, I don't know my car years. If it's an Impala, I probably know the years if it's before 72, but any other car, I probably don't even know what the year is, but I knew, I know the difference between a Mustang and a Corvair and, you know, you know, a Vega and a Maz and a Yeah, you said Maverick. it looked like an I know the Mustang. Difference. And that's what other and people have described too. So, but like I said, I had no clue, but the, the question is, is, when did it happen? What road should I be looking for? You know, I know 191st Street may not even have been 191st Street back then. Right. So looking at some historical maps may help because, I mean, I'm looking at, right now I've been looking at some historical maps of where we live and only our main, you know, streets from 8th, South 8th to South 12th ever existed in those old maps. Everything else, like where we live, we live near South, what would be South 15th, if there was a 15th Street. It didn't exist. The lake across the street from our house didn't exist until 1958, even though they bought the money, you know, got the money in 1939, you know. Um, so what what else was there? So those old plat maps would probably help me more to determine either, you know, what it was before. And the only thing I have to go on is it happened sometime after this period in time, because it could have happened, I mean, it could have happened two years before I noticed it. So that's the thing. I don't know um, what time frame I'm looking at. I could be looking at over 50 years. I don't think so, because that'd be, that'd be 53 years. I don't think so. So <laughs> so that's that's my guess. I just don't know how I would find it without talking to somebody in that area that witnessed an accident to tell me, hey, look around this time. Look, you know, because it's in Johnson County and they've got a lot more records than we do. But if I remember County. right, I, I think it was in June. Yeah, like I said, I don't Is it know was, if it was, June, it was, it was July, warm or August. out? I know it was warm I, out. 
I just wonder if it was when I took I had to take the kids out of school to go to the dentist. But I don't think so. It had to be in some, during summer vacation because yeah. I'm not known to pull the kids out of school no. randomly. So okay. maybe someday well, I'll have time. <laughs> okay. Well, it, it, um, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, we uh, we can come back to the, the uh, phantom car. Uh, I, I was intrigued by that story, but uh, uh, anyhow. It, uh, Let's kind of get into some of these haunted houses and the Sally house that uh, you and Ron have investigated, and we have to move on to the uh, uh, include the haunted distilleries. I'm I'm interested in. Well, well, where do you want to start? Pick a place. Uh, Okay, uh, let's start with the uh, Sally House. Uh, You know, you you and Kat talk about that all the time. Uh, You know, I I don't know where we're going with the distillery. Stories like that might be be, uh, best for the last couple minutes, so we don't get too carried carried away. Well, there are a lot of distilleries. Oh yeah, there are. There's a lot of those. But we started doing tours for the Sally House after we had went on a trip through. We went on a trolley tour in Atchison. Um, but years before that, like back in 1994, I was I had a small child that I was having to get up at night and nurse, and I was watching a haunting in the middle of the night. Because TBS had it on, all they had it on every night about three o'clock in the morning, and so I needed to turn on the TV for light and and stuff so I could at least see. And mm-hmm. I was watching these shows, and on there they had, you know, the Sally House, and they're talking to to uh, Deb and Tony Pickman, and and I'm like, and it was the first time I'd ever heard that a ghost could hurt somebody. You know, except for the Greenbrier ghost, which the whole different thing didn't hurt anybody; it saved somebody. But um, I'm I'm watching this, and I'm like, oh God, I gotta they I need I, I'd like to check that place out. And if you, you know, and then I started taping it on my VHS. <laughs> so that, that was just something. Um, I started planning to tape tape these, and then we saw another show on called ghost stories that had McPike mansion on it and the Vliska axe murder house and, you know, scariest places on earth and all these places. But I kept going mm-hmm. back to the Sally house. Okay. I did not know we lived in Kansas city, Missouri, and we had road atlases, but Kansas and Missouri aren't on the same map. And I never figured out we were only 90 minutes away from Atchison. Because you never you never asked. No, I never asked. I knew how far but, it was. <laughs> but it wasn't it wasn't just that though. Didn't really know. Didn't have the internet to go and research stuff back in in 1994. Um, and then every time it came on TV, I had to watch it. Even though I had seen it, I mean, I saw that haunting probably 40 times by the time we actually got to Sally House. So um, 
we watch that, then I watch some other things about it, and it's like I at this point I think I'm an expert. Okay, I know the whole story. Well, see, back flat. then, back then we had little kids, and we we could we never even talked to each other about any of this stuff. No. Which is he, you think is yeah unusual, but it's probably about as unusual as you know husband and wife teams because you we hardly ever see that. It's 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 usually one person, and the other one could care less. Yeah, we we it's, were married quite a while. It actually is. It's rare for a husband and wife to do this. In all honesty, mm-hmm. he didn't know. What he knew yeah, was that we lived in a house that was haunted. He didn't believe that. He really didn't, I didn't believe me. I didn't know she me. was sensitive in that. She never said but anything. But I kept telling him. I kept telling him that we in our old house in Kansas City, Missouri, that we had this boy in our house. He come in. He goes, "Well, what's he say?" I said, "He says, Mom." And I, when I answer, he disappears, and we didn't know why. Okay, so that's the first thing we didn't know why. Nobody, our neighbors all knew. Okay, our neighbor, a bunch of our neighbors knew. We did not know why our house had had this ghost, but we didn't tell anybody that I was having this issue, and. Later on in life, our daughters were seeing the same boy. Okay, yeah, they were car dealership. too young to lie. Then too, right. so and I, they that's never why I heard knew they were telling anything. the truth. So I thought, well, there's probably something to this. Mm-hmm. So we go, okay. we go to a car dealership to buy a car, and we put down our address. And the guy looks at me and goes, "I know your address. You live in the suicide house." <laughs> yeah, I'm like, we're like what? what? And I said, because his brother lived two doors down from us. And he said, um, Sharon. And I said, Sharon. He goes, Yeah, Sharon's son committed suicide there. I said, You mean Jackie's best friend, our next door neighbor? And 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 of course, everything clicked right then. Yeah. What I needed to do, why the, why Jackie's friend would never come in our house why jackie never came in our house and she only came in one time she never um, would and, and she so would it was never really say strange. why or she always make an excuse and when that came up i i told denise i said i said so you've been seeing this teenage kid you said for all these years mm-hmm. and i said describe exactly what he looks like so she described the kid to me okay when we got back, I went over to the next-door neighbor's house and talked to Bill. And I said, you're going to find this strange. So I told him, kind of told him the whole story that Denise is, you know, seeing this teenage kid. Of course, he about he about turned white when I told him this. And his mouth just opened up. And I said, now, we obviously don't – we never – we never met her kid or anything. We, I, I had no idea what he looked like. But I said, this is how Denise describes the kid. And I start describing it, and Bill goes, oh, my God. That's exactly how he looked. And he said, there's no way she could have known that. So this is the time that Ron finds out that Denise sees spirits, and I'm not, you know. So now we start talking. Is, <laughs> right. And the thing was, is I was always told, don't tell anybody what you see. They'll think you're crazy. And that goes back to some other things that happened when I was four and ten. But, again, he didn't know that I was into 
hauntings and stuff. I didn't know that he liked, we, we knew he liked haunted houses, but, you know, I figured it was only entertainment haunted houses, not real haunted houses. So, so fast forward uh, to about 2009, uh, 2008, and we're, you know, we're doing different things and all that. Our kids are still little, um, and we start talking about it more and more. 2009, we go to the Bliss Axe House for the first time, find out that Ron's related to the sheriff in the investigation but from from family. We had no clue. That's yeah, my great uncle. And then, like I said, and after that is when we started going on tours. After we went to the Bliss Axe Murder House, we did some some other tours. But we did the we did the the haunted Atchison trolley tour, and I had had a little book um, that was called Haunted Atchison, and it had all these places in there. And so as the lady is giving us the tour, I'm writing notes in the margins of this book. Okay, and going, we've got to go by the Sally House. We got to go by the Sally House, and they tell a story that's totally different than what was on TV on the haunting. But I write down all the notes, and then they go, "Yeah, come back in September when we have the Sally House open for for day tours on Saturdays." So we go we go on one of those the second week in September, and I walk in, and the first thing I say to Ron is, "This doesn't look like a haunting, like it did on a haunting." <laughs> <laughs> and and I'm reading all these things, these pictures on the wall that that tell a story about things that have happened there that other paranormal groups had put on there from 2004 to, to that time, and saying that this is what happens in this room and this is what happens in this room. It was really cheesy, but yeah, the tour was was actually was terrible. The, I mean, the people but, they had working there could care less. If you ask a question, they would point to the sign. They say, "Read the sign," and this leave. So, but we did have paranormal experiences while we were there. Yeah. So we decided we were going to come back the following week. Yep. So we we went back the following week. We bought more equipment and actually helped a lady have a paranormal experience, um, speaking to her father in one of the rooms. And at this time, you couldn't go in the nursery. You couldn't go into the dining room. You couldn't basement. go down the stairs to the basement. It was all roped off. You ha- heck, you couldn't even walk into the bathroom. That was roped off. So there was all these different different things. And so on the way home that night, I told Ron, I said, I don't want to pay to get in there anymore. I, I want to go. I want well, to go a lot. And I want. I think I'm going to find out about volunteering because no, what happened suck. is. We went back here again, I think it was like two or three weeks after that, and they had two other people doing the tours. They actually showed up a little bit later. They had a lot of people there, you know, doing the tours and pointing at the signs. But we're getting ready to leave, and this one guy says something. Oh, yeah. Denise turns around and says, (laughs) he's from Baltimore. And I said, how do you know? She goes, I know that accent. She goes, he's from Baltimore. And she goes, you're from Baltimore. And he goes, yeah, how'd you know? Anyway, we hit it off, and we get to talking, and we said, "Man, we, that's that's pretty cool. You, you volunteer for this?" And he goes, "Yeah." He goes, "Yeah, this house is, you know, scares the hell out of us and everything." Well, it wasn't all well, toward the end of the tours. His other friend that was helping, you know, do the tours with him, he went in there. He got there before everybody else. 
he goes, I opened the door. He goes, I always hated coming in this place by myself. And he goes, you know, I just hated coming in here. He goes, I'm telling you, he goes, I opened the door. I started walking toward the kitchen. He said loud and clear, something said, get the blank out. He said, I looked around. He goes, they ain't coming back. <laughs> so they needed more tour guides at that point, too. Yeah, he but, said, so, uh, so, so that that's was when he enough stepped for in. Me. Well, not that well, year. Pretty much. But that was at the end it was of the, the next, year. It was, and he told, it was the next year. Yeah, he told the lady at the chamber, he says, I'm not, not going, back. I quit. I'm not doing that. And then our other our friend Joe, he's, he was more interested in doing the trolley tours anyway. So he says, yeah, because it was a page, I'm probably going to be doing page. the Sally House. <laughs> so what I did was I found out that my company would match my time with dollars. So if I volunteered for 40 hours, their but That's how we got the job. Because we went yeah, in and said, edu- we'll, we'll do what they were doing. And but we'll do it better. Well, yeah, and then yeah, we got different people in there, and they they started letting us do you know open up the basement and everything. We opened up the whole house. Yeah, the first. I mean, year, we'd have they, what we'd, three to five hundred people rolling yeah. from on a Saturday from one to five. And there were no signs on the walls anymore. We took all no. those down. They let us open up the dining room. They let us open up the nursery. They let us open up the downstairs, the basement area. We and brought in equipment. People could do, you know, and a they, little we mini We teach them how to use dowsing rods. We yeah. teach them how to use their phone to tape, to record, to do, try to do EVPs. Um, I educate them about why you didn't want to use certain phone apps over other phone apps. I would give them a factual history instead of this canned response that they had for everybody that said that a little girl was died here in this in this dining room that's actually what we were supposed to say in this dining room from a botched appendectomy and i noticed that every time i would tell that story i would leave with bruising on my inner arms wouldn't be there when we left when we got there but when we left i would have handprints on the insides of my arms like yeah it's like somebody my grabbed story. On the inside of the arm, from behind. And yeah, and so from then on, I started researching. I became obsessed with this actual history because, like, one of the signs on the that they had on the wall said that a woman fell to her death at the bottom of these, these basement stairs. Didn't happen. And it's like didn't happen. And then they said something else, and it's like that's not true. Um, everything that they had, I could, I could find facts that made that not true. Now they're back to those signs on the walls and people who are promoting themselves as opposed to promoting the events of the the area for haunted season and stuff. And that was the thing. We never, ever promoted ourselves. We always promoted the house and, you know, how to rent it and things like that. But I would also bring in books from local authors and or other places in the area because you know once you go to one haunted place place everybody's wanting to know where's the next one where else can i go so i brought up some Velisca axe murder pamphlets that i got from johnny hauser and um i had you know the sally house exposing the beast within by joe Strone, and i had robbie thomas's book that had some excerpts 
from when he filmed there in at the Sally House for the Sally House movie that he did. I had um, Haunted Kansas, Haunted Kansas City, um, Haunted Missouri, um, Iowa stuff as well. You know, because I knew that the next thing, the next question out of their mouth was, oh, my God, this is great. Now, where else can I go? So I was prepared for that. I was also prepared with anything that I had found about the the house that people had heard. I could show them the truth to the legend that they heard. Here's the truth. I have over a thousand pages of data. Most of it, thank God, on my computer, but um, – Oh, on a flash drive, not on my computer because, you know, computers die. But And then I have all these pictures and stuff that, you know, the plat drawings of Atchison. The um, I found a directory that told me where the family lived prior to living in the Sally house. I found, you know, how these people that lived in this house originally built it were part of the founding fathers of the town and they were very respected people. And once I started finding out the truth, I stopped getting hurt with bruising, which I felt like might have been Dr. Finney, who had lived there when he was a child and a young young husband, but he did not live there at the time that, that this botched appendectomy could have ever happened. And uh, so, like I said, I became obsessed to the point to where I think I know more about that house and that history than I do any other place. But back to when I was watching all those shows, what's strange is that the Sally House and the Villisca Axe Murder House had the same address. Hmm. They are both 508 2nd Street. So what are the odds of that? And then, like I said, we are, you know, Ron is related to the sheriff and the Villisca Axe Murders. And we are also attached to Pike Mansion. Well, Henry McPike's brother, William McPike, actually started the McPike Drug Company in Atchison, Kansas, where his family moved from Alton, Illinois to Atchison, Kansas. So, and then a friend of ours, she actually did all the paperwork to get the McPike Drug Company on the historic register. And so, all this stuff, it was like all these places are, are attached in some way, some form, um, at least either through us, me and Ron, but figure Atchison and Alton, they're connected by family, by McPike's okay, family. And it, it, people it, and who lived in the Sally House were friends with the kids of the McPike family in Atchison. So, so all the uh, documentation that you uh, called over the years, uh, it, it, like produced a uh, biography that you know um, revealed the truth that. Uh, Stopped. I, I, I don't know. It, it stopped you from ha- having the bruises. Uh, 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 well, it led to s- something sent- worse, though. That's what's bad. Is it? Led well, to yeah. Something worse? She would get. She would get scratched almost every time we went up there. 
like after a, Ghost Adventures came. I I got attacked all the time after that. Yeah. So, um, what did the the collecting the biography do? Just was it more uh, for your understanding? So the the uh, haunted uh, paranormal activity never it it actually increased the more you found out. Right, because one of the things a friend of ours is a shaman. Well, we have a lot of shaman friends, but she is the shaman that does is the lead tour guide at McPike Mansion. And she pulled me aside one day, and she told me, she goes, the reason that this stuff happens to you is because you can hear them. And, and I said, no, you can hear see who? Too. Well, I could see him, but she said, you know what his plan is. So this, I said, so you mean the, the dark entity at the Sally House is afraid of me because there's some reason that I'm probably there. And we found out later on, yeah, there was a reason I was there. But, you know, it's, so like I said, after Ghost Adventures came, the attacks got worse, but it was from a different way. I think that before I started telling the history, the factual history, the bruising stopped because, I, like I said, I believe it was Dr. Finney that was doing it because of the fact that the city was treating him like he was an inept doctor and that he was, you know, or or a drunkard. I don't know which one because the, the little movie that Robbie Thomas, well, the movie Robbie Thomas did has this beginning to it that was filmed by Atchison, the, the city. And it makes the doctor look like a bumbling fool. Yeah, and, 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 he, and he, he's the one that botched the appendectomy. Well, no, he, well, no, not really. There was never really an appendectomy. No, but that it was never made happened. up by an old back in 1995 when they started doing the trolley tours. That was made up by an, an ex-mayor, which I found out later on, and really upset me. But yeah, once I started telling everybody, you know, Doctor Finney was was the mayor of the town in 1913. If somebody had killed somebody, think about it. If if a candidate killed somebody, even even by accident. Yeah, this unless it's a Kennedy, it's not they're not being elected to an an official office. Everything about this man had been in the paper and everything has been glowing accounts. He worked for the railroad, he was saving people's lives. Yeah. He stopping wagons. Um, he was a mayor children. later on. Yeah, he delivered all half the babies in town. Yeah, this is one of the towns where women could vote before the vote. They could vote. They couldn't vote in a national election, but they could vote in in the, the county and the city elections. And he was voted mayor by almost all the women. So, if he had accidentally killed somebody's kid, somebody would have been screaming from the rooftops that this guy's a murderer. Yeah, and no nobody proof did that. Of it. So they're, they didn't start keeping death records in Kansas until 1905. I scoured everything I could online to see if there had been anybody who died in that residence or that he signed a death certificate for for a botched appendectomy. You know, that was a little girl named Sally or Elizabeth or anything that would, Sally would have been a nickname for and could not find it. 
Um, so only thing anybody ever found was that there was a 32-year-old woman. Her name was Sally, Sally Isabel Hall, and she died after childbirth. But, again, she was 32, and he may have been her doctor, but he wasn't doing office visits at his home. He actually had an office in there. It was a hospital, and so he wasn't doing any of this in his home. She was also a African-American woman, and when she died, strange thing, she has two obituaries listing her living in two different houses, one two blocks away from the Sally house, and the other one was up at by Benedictine College, which was like seven blocks away. So they can't even get her, her obituary right. So that's kind of weird. And they were three days apart, which was even weirder. But, you know. Yeah, and his office wasn't in his house. That's See, facts kind of destroy a good story. <laughs> yeah. His, and I found his office listing, and it had been there until he stopped practicing. And even if it had happened later in life, like in the 40s when his son lived in the house, his son still didn't have office hours in his house. He had an office. So, you know, the only thing about the story that was true that they shared was that a doctor lived in the house. Two of them did, and one doctor's wife later on. But, again, the rest of the story makes no sense it just sounded good and it sounded like something that could have happened. So, so that's, that's that. We don't know. And the other thing that was strange was that no one reported that house being haunted until 1994. There was no, no history. Or yeah. That's, they have no idea why, it, why it was haunted. Like it was, it was one of those houses where we were in there every weekend from about Labor Day all the way to what, second week of November. Yep. And uh there were times we would go up there and you'd open that door and it was you knew it was gonna be a a long day. And then there were other times where it just felt like a regular old house. It it, it was like really strange. House. But it seemed like the more people that we had in there the more energy was created in the house. It would get more active people that would go through there. Now we would go we would get there about twelve thirty and get out of there. Oh, we usually sit and talk to some people that were still hanging around. We'd probably get out of there about five thirty, but we'd go in there full of energy. By five thirty we were we were drained. I mean completely spent. I mean we could almost barely stay awake to drive back home. Right, and that's but, and it was still a ninety minute drive. <laughs> yeah. It was an hour and a half drive. After Go ahead, with, Mark. You know, well, I don't know. I was going to call it clearing. But after yeah. that happened, we were in there three weekends after that, completely dead. The house was, the, the smell was gone. You would have bugs on the screens. You'd have bugs on the screens in the middle of winter. I mean, it, it could be freezing cold. You'd have flies on the screens outside. You'd have wasps down in the basement. Ew. In the basement, the coldest part of the house. Wasps flying around like it was summertime. Wasps, wasps do not like cold weather. But they 
there you go. You'd be down there and then flying around like nothing. Is there any evidence that uh, the house was built on a a vortex or a a ley line that might might explain some of this? Possible. It's It's right on a bluff right off the river. Yeah, limestone and a natural spring. Well, well. And, and and if you looked at where it is, it's right right off right on top of the bluff, overlooking the river. It's what you would call you know prime location for you know Native Americans. But they didn't so, take any, they didn't take any I'm, out when they got there. That's what's strange yeah. is when the the settlers came to Atchison. They yeah, didn't they have were to gone. Pick anybody off their land. They had already moved. Yeah, they had moved like 20, 30 years before, they said. But they had lived there there for quite a while and just left that area. um, Actually, when Lewis and Clark came through in 1805 and 1806, uh, there were no Native Americans there. There had been signs that they had been there, but but they hadn't been there at all, you know, in 1805 or 1806. So you would think when they came across the Missouri River... To to the these bluffs in Atchison, whatever it was called then, that the Kansas Indians would have been there to to greet them. Now there are two Native American burial grounds, one south of town, and when I say south, it's like five or six miles south of town. Now it might have been ten miles out south of town back then, and about seven miles north, up past the um, the Amelia Earhart Airport. Um, there's that's where the other one is. So is this land cursed by Native Americans? But if you watch the Ghost Adventures episode, there was a Native American that I would see in the yard, in the backyard, yep. a lot of the time. And he was always standing there. He never interacted, but he was like a sentry. And when I explained it to Ghost Adventures, they didn't understand what I was saying. But this Native American didn't wear feather okay so he wasn't high standing in the community that in the native american community he just stood there pretty much with his arms crossed all the time just watching i don't know what he was watching since he never interacted but i saw him a lot so yeah you weren't the only one so it was the thing is, is nobody ever said anything about it. No, I, and the other people that I would take him out on the patio and say, you know, look at this view. And people that would come on the tours that were sensitive, I didn't know. And all of a sudden they'd look in that corner and they'd say, there's a Native American in this corner just standing there. And I'm like, really? That's a, and then I would say, you know, my wife sees him too. Right, and the thing was, is that episode of Ghost Adventures was taped in 2014. It didn't oh, air this until is, yeah, January this is before 2015. Ghost Adventures. Right, nobody, you know, logically, unless somebody had heard me talking about it, yeah, there's no way they wouldn't have known that it was there. So after, you know, January 2015, when people would come to the house, they would go, well, "Where do you see this Native American?" And I would take him out to the yard and tell him this is where I see him. 
And sometimes he's here, but most of the time this he's standing in this one spot all the time. And so, like I said, before 2015, if somebody came to me and said they saw it, it's like, oh, well, that's pretty legit because I never, I never well, we said got some anything good to pictures. anyone publicly. Yeah, we've had people yeah. take some really good pictures in that, that spot. And it's like a... A weird light anomaly. Yeah, it's like a, I don't know, like a, what I call a wisp. Yeah. It's like twisted, huh. it looks like twisted smoke. Right, right there where she says, and you know, a lot of these were at night during the day. Yeah, and I'll tell them I, he's there now, and they'll take a picture, and this will show up. Yeah. So now, it, it was weird. Yeah, I have uh, maybe two, uh, two questions. Uh, uh, that might be r- related. Um, uh, maybe the first one uh, Ron could take. Uh, but but d- does a, a husband and wife uh, research team seem to um, make ghosts more open to communicating as if you know you're a mom and dad figure? And question two. For Denise, be like, you know, do you, do you think since you uh, are uh, Cherokee and uh, Blackfoot that he is uh, appearing to you to communicate something? Like he feels comfortable. Uh, so uh, maybe. Being uh, ghost sensing something about you two could could that could that be why you're an effective husband and wife team? Hmm. Yeah, well, she's, you know, get... she's the one. Yeah, Denise is the one that's she's the one that's sensitive and and sees all all the spirits. I oh, it's it's it's. I've had a, some occasions where you know I I sense something, but I I don't see anything. I mean, I can kind of feel it. You know, it'll get colder, and I know something's there, but I don't. I couldn't tell you what it was or anything. Something's you know I can feel something's trying to interact. Well, in fact, down in the basement in the Sally House, something went shot down my arm and my shoulder. It went down my arm, went across my shoulder, and it felt like a spider web. It felt like I put my hand in a spider web. And it got ice cold. Because I had a group hmm. down there, and they said they were seeing these lights in this corner, and I thought, I, I wasn't seeing it, but a bunch, well, about half the people down there were seeing these different colored lights in this corner. So I thought somebody might have had, like, a little laser pointer. It was, you know kind of messing with us. So I said, well, I'm going to put my hand up here, you know, and you let me know where you see, you know, these lights. And they said, I'll oh, move to the left and then move, well, to the right. And then they said, go back. And when I went back, man, it hit me. And I pulled my arm down and I kind of shook my arm. And somebody goes, what happened? I said, I don't know. 
I said it felt like I put my hand in a spider web, and I I turned my flashlight on. You know, there's no spider webs in there. And I said, yeah, that's got like a tingly feeling all the way down to my shoulder, and 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 I got freezing cold. And one guy goes, he goes, oh, oh, get out of the way, you know, get out of the way, I'll do it. And we turned the lights back off, and to this day, I never saw like these little bitty lights, but. Like I said, half the people down there were seeing them, and the guy, he went and stuck his arm up. He goes, am I blocking it? Am I buy it? And same thing happened to him. Oh, my gosh, that was weird. <laughs> I said, uh, way to go, tough guy. <laughs> he left. He went upstairs. He said, I'm out of here. That was during our very first uh, haunted hop with Becky yeah. Ray. She was supposed to have a whole paranormal team with her, and none of, nobody showed up. But we we were the liaisons for the for the chamber, and so we got we got to go because I had to give the trolley tour. And actually, that was the last time that anybody outside of working for the chamber did the haunted haunted hop. After after that, it was yeah. Us. We took over after that. And got really good reviews, but mostly because of the fact that we made sure they had a good time. And if there was some paranormal thing that was was happening, we made sure that everybody knew about it, that we kept them involved. But to the question you asked me, that Native American, only way he communicated with me was by by staring. So there was no real communication but i mean from what i got from him by looking at him is that he was a sentry that he was watching over something what i don't know um we have never i've never figured that out unless there was you know happy hunting grounds or yeah you know something along those lines there's a lot of theories from a lot of mediums but none of them ever matched up with with they never matched each other, you know the mediums that we know, and some of the mediums that have been there, and psychics. I talk, I said Robbie Thomas, but Amy Allen was there in two thousand and eight. They had this huge paranormal psychic thing that supposedly happened in Atchison, because Robbie Thomas told me about it. He decided not to go. But Amy Allen was there, um, Christopher Moon, um, Paulette Moon, and, you know, I, I have a whole list of mediums that went there, um, Ghost Hunter Magazine, things like that. But all these mediums, they say that, from what I understand, nobody ever got why the house was haunted. They all had different stories. And... I asked Tony Pickman because he did meet Amy Allen when she was there. Um, he never told me exactly what she said about the house, about how it was, how it got haunted. You know, so that's that's still one of the things that I always wonder about is why wasn't anyone reporting this house haunted prior to 1993? So. That that's my big question: is what was the catalyst? Mm-hmm. You know, so was it because 
Tony is sensitive to spirits, that he was a beacon. Uh, somehow he created a portal in the house. Somehow somebody created a portal in the house. And there there are there were portals in that house. There were five that I knew of, one main one in the basement, and there's another one in the nursery. And um, basically it went straight up from the basement through the whole house. So technically if you counted each room that it hit, that's how you would get five. Yeah, the corner of the dining room by the kitchen and then straight up. Into that next bedroom upstairs. So it was was a very strange house. It had a history of tearing people apart. So not physically, but tearing friendships apart. And it did. We watched it happen. Joe Strone, he went there in 2008 with a whole film crew. And... They went in to film a documentary. They wanted to similar to Paranormal Survivor, but in a way that it was going to be them helping uh, families that had had suffered from demonic hauntings. That they they were going to go in and help them, you know, save their save their families. Well, they stayed in uh, across the street at the Glick Mansion, which is also haunted. Very haunted. I really like that. It's a bed and breakfast now. An actual bed and breakfast, not an Airbnb. Mm. And uh, it's it's a mansion. It was the governor's mansion at one time. And so it's right across the street from this little bitty three-bedroom house. Okay? And at the time that it was built, it was only a two-bedroom house. But that's a whole other story. But um, they stayed over there. They had paranormal activity while they were in the Glick Mansion. But when they were in the Sally house, they had paranormal activity. He called some people. By the time it was all over, they went home. They all lost touch with these, each other. The only people that know where any of these people are, the only people that Joe knows where they are, are the Pickmans. He swore after that that he would never, ever go back to that house. He would never go back to Atchison because of all the things that happened to him. Okay, so fast forward to five years ago when I needed a guest for my second or third radio show. The only person I wanted to talk to was Joe Strone. I had to talk to him. He wrote a book called um, Sally House Exposing the Beast Within. Funny thing was is that when I opened the book, I started reading it on the day that um, – that they started their investigation at the Sally House years before that. When I talked to him, I got him on my show, and he said on the show, I will never go back there. And at the end of the show, he said, I might go back there if someday with you. Fast forward a couple more years, okay. I read another book of his, and I have him on my show again. And he says, do you, do you know anybody that can film? And I said, yeah, I know quite a few people that are uh, that can do camera work. And he goes, I'm thinking about doing a, a movie about Atchison. He goes, not just the Sally House, about all these other places as well. He goes, what do you think? He goes, I'm only going to do it if you'll do it. And I said, okay. 
And I let it go because I figured it's not going to happen. Okay. He lives in Rhode Island. Why is he going to come out here? You know? And um, in 2017, February 2017, he calls and he says, We're coming out. Yeah, that's in February. August 20th. Um, And we want to film the Sally House. We want you to be the liaison. We want you to do this. And we were on the phone for. Two hours. I sat in a parking lot in Paola, Kansas, talking to him for two hours because I was afraid I would lose service if I left. And he goes, we're going to have a production meeting, and I want you to – and I'd already been interviewed by the the other guy that was doing the movie. His name was Richard Grund. I'd already been on their radio show, and the more they talked about that show, the more they listened to it, the more that they decided that they wanted to do this film. And so – as I'm talking to them about their dates, I go, you do know that that's when the full eclipse, is, the total eclipse is. We're supposed to have totality up there. He goes, no. I said, we, you may have a problem just finding a place to stay. So that was the first thing. It was like everything was against them. A friend of mine decided that they were going to open up an Airbnb, and we happened to be get them to be the first people to ever stay in it. So... Got him a place to it's stay. It's the same people that own the Glick Mansion across the street yeah. from Sally House, which we knew real well, so, so we had some connections. Yeah, lucky for us. So needless to say, there was a lot of things going on, but we got him in. I I, I got him into the McIntyre Villa, which is right now very hot on everybody's list of places to investigate. In fact, I hear it's supposed to be on TV, maybe possibly with Stormy Daniels. Whole different problem. <laughs> And um, there are some other places that were on the trolley tours that I was able to get them interviews with people and, and stuff. And while we were doing all this, they interviewed me, of course, and and Ron. And I think it was we were on camera for like over four hours talking about all kinds of stuff, especially my obsession with the data of the Sally House and why I had to get to know all of it. And, and all that. The next day we came back, and they we were with them all through the totality and, and all that. And then after that, we took pictures and said goodbye. And they did the rest of their investigation at the Sally House. And their whole deal was is that they felt like they were there to clear the house. They were going to get rid. They were going to get rid of the demon that was in the house. They were going to help out the the whole world by doing this. And I knew why they were there. I mean, I'd been in the production meetings. I knew where they were coming from. I knew Joe's background. Did not know Richard's, but I did know, I I knew something. I knew that Richard was um, uh, a rabbi. Now, did not know his past, but I knew what he was No, we didn't know that until that Sunday night he told us that both him and Joe had been on the site, the bidding site for the deem- for the devil. They did they couldn't pass a, a metaphysical store without going in, without buying something. Joe was into, you know, dark books and and stuff using spells to get what he needed out of yeah. life. And so between Richard and and him, they they found God. Um, and they changed their lives around 
Well, so they knew they thought that they had an in with getting rid of this demon because they knew how to deal with a demon. So, you know, Ron laughed, of course, and he can tell you that part. Well, they said we're we're. I said, so you're actually here to to clear the house, right? And they said, yes, we are. And I I remember laughing. I said, you know, this has been tried at this house thousands of times, right? And they both kind of looked at me, and they both pretty much at the same time said, yeah, but they weren't on the other side. They didn't know what they were dealing with. We do. And I went, oh, okay, well, good luck. Well, like I said, we returned for three more weekends after that. <clears throat> totally different house. And we weren't drained. Uh, we used a lot of equipment, so I like to use the Echo Vox down in the basement. Whatever was down there would literally, on the Echo Vox, would cuss us out. About the only place I've used the Echo Vox where I would get cussed out. Not not me personally. Well, I, I would get cussed out, but anyone would ask different questions. It, it would cuss them out. I've tried it at other places, and I never, we never got cussed out on the Echo Vox, just there in the basement. I couldn't get anything on that after that for three weekends. But the end of that story is, is that the morning after the eclipse, yeah. we, you know, we, we were home. It was We'd had storming because of the, the temperature fluctuation that day, getting hot and okay. cold, cooler and all that. We had flooding. We had hail. We had all kinds of stuff. So it was dark. And my side of the bed faces the west side of the house, so needless to say, it's, it's darker on that side anyway. But I was woke up because there was a lot of chattering in my room, actually in my room in my, and in the hallway on my side of the bed. And I opened my eyes, and there's this bright light. And I focus, and I see all these spirits that I'd seen at the Sally house before. And the main one was Agnes Finney True, who lived in the house until she died. Her father built it. She lived there almost 72 years. And she says, she looks at me, and she says, thank you and goodbye, and they all went. I mean, you basically saw them dissipate towards heaven. And I told Ron, I said, this is what I saw. And from that moment on, I had no obsession with researching the Sally House anymore. Yep, I did not care. Stopped. I I mean, cold turkey. And it wasn't because I wanted to, it's because I didn't need to. So I was, I feel like I was drawn to that house to help the spirits go. And that I was going to be the person that was going to find the right people to go in there. Do I know that for a fact? No. But that's kind of what it looks like. That's what it looked like because when we were there. I mean, we were there there seven years, and there there were times. I would get up in the middle of the night, and she'd be on a computer researching this place. And I'm thinking, what are you doing? She goes, oh, i got to find out more. I said, are you kidding? It's 3 in the morning. She goes, i got to find out more. I mean, she was obsessed. But After again, all that it happened, was, it just she could care less. Suddenly ended. It's, oh. It stopped completely. And even I didn't have any desire. We did this. We were up there seven years. And even after that... We did those three weekends, and I looked at her, and I said, this will waste the time to even go up there anymore. I said, this is boring because there's nothing in here. 
And she goes, "Yeah, you're right." And I said, "I I think we're just going to tell them we're not, you know, we're not going to do this anymore." Well, I had already told them that anyway. Well, we yeah, we we had told them, and then uh, the, the woman, yeah, the woman that was we were really good, became really good friends with. She decided to leave. Uh, we, well, we left uh, into September. That was when mm-hmm. our last time we did a tour. And she, she decided to leave in January. Yeah, just a few months after that. And uh, before it was actually before. Yeah, yeah, and the because other lady. That, yeah, with. that's right. It was before, but the other lady that came in, she. Yeah. She she didn't she disrespected all of us, everybody that was working. Anyone that worked before. Worked there before, you know. She wanted her own people anyway, and we said. Mm. Well, but, she did what she did was wrong. She said I had to turn over all of my research to them, and I refused. That was the yeah. one thing. It was mine. I, I paid for that research one way or another, and it, I never did it on the time when we were volunteering. So it had nothing to do with them. It was on my own time. So, but I know you want to hear more about these haunted distilleries. Yeah, uh, we have four about four minutes left. Uh, you know, maybe do a. Uh, quick haunted distillery uh, type story. Quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, make a short story do, long. Yeah. Oh, well, might I can make a really short two, story. Or, or, or <laughs> uh, uh, we could do a ghost cat. Okay. Well, one of the times. Oh, there we is were, plenty of ghost cats. Yeah, Sally House. That's Sally House. We had. Um, we were doing that very first. Um, haunted Hop with, like I said, Becky Ray. She's going to be my guest um, when we come back from vacation on uh, November 2nd. And we're, she's talking and about some of the stuff. And a friend of ours who's a skeptic, even though she did the trolley tours, she did them for money, but she did the trolley tours. She just didn't know if she believed in it. She's wearing a skirt, and all of a sudden her skirt moves. Okay, all the air is out of the ceiling in this house. It wasn't. No, actually, it wasn't. It was on the. It was on the floor, but it was in certain parts of the house. But where she was standing, there was no air. In fact, there was a box covering up the window and and all that stuff. And you see her skirt move, and it looks like a cat's tail moving her her skirt. And she says, okay. "That's weird. I just felt a cat run between my legs." And I said, and she goes, "Why?" And I said, "Well, because if you read the book from." Deb and Tony Pickman, um, the Sally House, a true haunting. They had a cat that was killed in the dryer by accident um, or by spirit. Um, well, goes, that nurse well, did a then, little, yeah, some sacrificing down there, and she yeah, liked we to use kitchen. cats. Yeah, she. There was that as well, and then Tony also admits in the book that he. He killed a stray cat in the house, and he hid it from Deb. But this was during the time that he was feeling more and more pressure to, to kill Deb. So, but the dryer story is really strange because Tony thought that Deb was going to work and had put shoes in the dryer, and he was going to bed because he sleeps days. He still does, and the dryer is going bum 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 bum. And so when Deb came home, Tony was up and he goes why did you start the dryer with those shoes in there? And she goes, I didn't start the dryer. And when they opened it up, they found all this rust-colored stuff on the clothes, and that's how they found out that their cat had actually 
actually been killed in the in the dryer. So, not good. okay. So, okay. So that 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 uh, explains why she she was experiencing the cat walking between her legs. Yeah, and then there, we have yeah, well, two I've had that. Cats in I've our had house that happen too. a lot down the basement. I just it happens so often. I just kind of got used to it. Well, we do have five cats in the house. Yeah, we got five cats, so I I know what it feels like. But we okay. also it never bothered me. It, you know, it was it kind of shocked you the first few times, but then after a while, you just it happened so often. You just got used to it, and it didn't bother me. Okay. Hey. Hey, uh, Ron and Denise, I just want to, you know, we're down to about uh, 90 seconds. Uh, do you want to uh, plug plug your show or anything real fast? And sure. then, then we'll wrap up the evening. And I just want to thank you, uh, Denise and Ron, for being so, such uh, fun guests during the Halloween season. And you're very insightful as well. Well, thank you. Well, I will tell you that uh, anyone looking for uh, an event to do ne- next weekend on this weekend. the 24th, yeah, this weekend on the 24th, McPike Mansion, the Haunted Campout, it's the Four very days. last one, and uh, it's $35. Just go to mcpikemansion.com and get your tickets. Uh, you can also get them at the door, hopefully. Make sure you bring your mask, your tents, and your sleeping bag, and warm stuff because it's supposed to be cold. But we'll have weenies and a fire. I guarantee that. And uh, if you want to find my show, my show is on WBHM-DB.com every Monday night at 7 p.m. Central. Except for this week, it won't be live because I'm on vacation. But check it out. You can find me on Facebook um, along with Paranormal Pride out there as well. So, And thank you so much for having us on. We had a great time. It flew oh, by. It- Oh, uh, yeah, really did. Uh, you know, we'll have to have you back to get get into the distilleries and, uh, you know, when Sh- Sherry Brake takes her people over to uh, on the Celtic Crossing tour, uh, you know, they stop at the Guinness uh, uh, Brewery. And, uh, you know, so I, I, I'm interested in finding out uh, uh, what, what's going on with, uh, you know, uh, beer and whiskey uh, ghosts <laughs> say that for the next time but I just want to uh, t- thank you again and uh, you know we'll see everyone I think uh, tomorrow night uh, Arlen is on with a uh, part two of his James Bond series uh, so, so that should be a uh, fascinating look at Thunderball and From Russia With Love so uh and, and we'll see everyone uh, next Monday afternoon and Tuesday. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, next Friday the 30th as well. Thanks, everyone. See you. See you tomorrow night.